if I were not the real deal, then all of the people that I've been able to connect with who are the real deal wouldn't connect with me. That's what has given me all the credibility in the world to be able to attract my ideal client into my business. And I think a lot of people are on that constantly struggling to find their ideal client and constantly struggling to charge what they're worth because there's no credibility behind who they are. And without trust, there's no transaction, right? So um, I think that pretty much everything that I have in this particular business is due to the effort that I've put into building a network that's, you know, worth billions. Are you a follower of Jesus that feels called to expand the kingdom of God through building and growing successful businesses? If that's you, then welcome to the Kingdom Capitalist Show that interviews amazing Christians using their business and money-making abilities to expand God's kingdom all over the globe. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, and welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Kingdom Capitalist Show uh, I am incredibly excited to introduce our guest to you today. Uh, just an incredible story of um, a guy who was working in ministry and working for a church and just realized that he had gifts and skills in the world of entrepreneurship and then just what he has been able to build and accomplish in, in really just a, a few short years. We're going to hear a lot more about that story. Um, just want to remind everyone. Um, well, first, let me let me give just kind of recognition to our audience. We're almost at a hundred reviews. Uh, just found out we got ranked on iTunes, which is pretty cool. And so, thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, for just your love, your support, for sharing this on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and just so incredibly grateful for this audience. So just want to take the time to really thank you. Uh, and if you haven't yet left a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast, please take a second to do that. That just means so much. Um, and as I said on the last episode, if you take a screenshot of this episode and then tag me in it on any of your social media platforms, I will give you a shout out on the Kingdom Capitalist Show and your business. So uh, take a minute to do that. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest to you today. He is the podcast host of the Build Your Network podcast. And Travis, I just found out today, I was checking because I got the, the news that I'm ranked, uh, that you're ranked number 30 and I'm ranked 240. So I got a little ways to go, man, to catch you, but just wanted to uh, to, to throw that out there. But welcome everybody, Travis Chapel. Hey, show. what's up, man? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, and I mean, congrats on ranking it all, bro. Like that's, it's, it's tough. It's tough nowadays, man. There's a lot of shows out there. So congrats to you and to your audience for um, continuing to put out quality stuff and uh, continuing to, to move up those charts, man. And, and you'll, you'll for sure get there. I have no doubt. Yeah, yeah, and just so everybody knows the quality of guests man we have on today, Travis. Like, is, if you haven't listened to his podcast show, I, I really recommend it. Um, it really is all about building your network, and he has done just an amazing job of building his network. I mean, I think for our audience, some of these names will be relevant: Grant Cardone, Ed Milet, John Maxwell, Brandon Turner. Um, some of those guys that you've been on your show, and so um, just a really impressive roster. Roster. And so before, I want to get into your story a little bit, Travis, but I, I want to ask you this question, man, just to, to kind of start off, right, um, is you always hear this phrase, your net worth is your network, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what, like, from your perspective, before we kind of get into your story, like, what does that even mean, man? T t and, and how is that? applied in your life? Yeah, it's a great question, man. I think it's uh, just a really holistic approach to the way that you live your life, meaning that um, it's not just your net worth that's affected by your network. 
it's everything. It's your mentality. It's the, uh, your mindset. It's, um, um, your, uh, your habits, you know, your lifestyle, everything's determined by your network. Um, it's just that net worth and network almost rhyme or whatever. So it makes it, you know, a better, a better phrase. Um, but, uh, yeah, everything's affected by our network, man. Like, uh, if you, if you're around a bunch of people who are whining and complaining and negative all the time, then chances are you're probably going to be whining and complaining and negative all the time. If you're around a bunch of people who are really positive and look for the, the silver lining and things, then that's probably, you know, chances are probably how you're going to be. Um, because if you're not, if you're not, if you don't match the surroundings that you have, then there's only so you can only be in that situation for so long. Meaning that uh, if you're if you're the negative one, if you're the whiner and the complainer, and you're around a bunch of positive people all the time, those people yeah. <laughs> are going to get fed up with you whining and complaining, and you're not gonna be able to hang out with them very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opposite's true. If you if you have a bunch of friends who are whining and complaining, but you're really positive all the time, it will literally it, it's physically draining for me, bro, to be around people who are negative and constantly whining and complaining about situations and what life has done to them and all this mm-hmm. stuff. It's literally draining to me to be around those people, and I know that I only have a certain amount of time that I can spend with them before I got to like get away. Yeah. And so, yeah, your network determines a lot more than your net worth, but your net worth is definitely one of the things that it determines, you know? And I, I just love to hear before we kind of dive into this, I mean, is, cause you have done man an incredible job of being intentional and just building your network and staying focused on that. What has that allowed you to achieve as terms of lifestyle or even, you know, wealth or it just, just what you're able to do right now, just so our audience kind of has a taste. Yeah, man. So everything that I've every everything that I've built with this particular business has been because of my network now, um, which is cool to sit here and like talk about. Because when I started, I had zero network, like nobody, bro. Like I, I didn't know anybody. Like the the richest person that I knew personally when I started my show was making less than two hundred thousand dollars a year. That was the richest person that I knew, you know, and so I had, I, you know, I just got to, I just had to start from scratch and just start building relationships like a madman and, and, uh, get to know people and, you know, go to every event and take advantage of every opportunity that I had. And, yeah. and it's literally all been because of that. Like, you know, uh, the, the reason that I'm able to, uh, to charge premium prices uh, for a lot of things that I do, I, I think is largely due to the network that I have. It's not necessarily because my show is high ranking. There's a lot of high ranking shows. Um, I think that it's mostly because people see that if I were, if I were not the real deal, then all of the people that I've been able to connect with who are the real deal wouldn't connect with me. Does that make sense? Like it, 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 you can only, you can only fake it for so long. People will, will find you out. And so, um, that, that's the, that's what has given me all the credibility in the world to be able to, um, to, to attract my ideal client into my business and to, uh, charge what I view my time as actually being worth, um, uh, for the services that I provide. And I think a lot of people are on that constantly struggling to find their ideal client and constantly struggling to charge what they're worth because there's no credibility behind who they are and without trust, there's no transaction. Right. So, um, I think that pretty much everything that, that I, that I have in this particular business is due to, uh, the, the, the effort that I've put into building a network that's, you know, worth billions. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I love what you said there. You can only fake it for so long. Right. right. And, yeah. and, and, but, and, but also like I, what you said there for, for the, for the young kingdom capitalists listening to this show is you also don't 
have to have that massive net worth to be interacting or trying getting in front of people that do have that. And I know we're going to get into that. Yeah. And so both of those things, I just thought, I thought that was really well said. Yeah. I think you just need some value and you need some competence, mm-hmm. you know, like you got to be competent. If you, if you find yourself in a situation with a bunch of high level people and uh, you can't even hold a conversation just because of either your vocabulary or your knowledge of that industry is so minuscule, like then you're squandering the opportunity to be around those people anyway. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you got to have, you got to have a level of competence and you got to have, you know, a little bit of value to offer in return, but, um, but you don't have to have the same net worth. You don't have Mm -hmm. to, you know, be, I hang out with people constantly who are worth, you know, a 10 X of what I'm worth. Uh, but that's just, you know, it, I, I'm still competent enough to be able to hold intelligent conversations with those people uh, to the point where they're willing to introduce me to some of their friends and, yeah. and get some yeah. of their, you know, people on my show. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's always something that you can do regardless of what stage in life you're in. Uh, but I think uh, having those, like taking a step back and having the self-awareness to really look yourself in the eye and say, like, you know, in the mirror and just say like, this is where you are. This is where, this is the stage you are in life. And everybody tries to pretend that levels don't exist and everybody, they know in a perfect world, we're all on the same playing field. And it's just not true, man. Like if you talk to somebody who makes a half a billion dollars a year, they're just odd. They operate on a completely different level than somebody who makes $50,000 a year or even half a million or 5 million for that matter. Like they are completely, they're operating on a totally and completely different level. And you need to be able to like, look at yourself without like degradation. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, beating yourself up for not being where these guys are. I'm just saying, have the awareness to say, this is where I am. That's where they are. And, and treat that relationship with the respect that it deserves because of the amount of work and effort that that person has put into whatever it is that they've accomplished Mm -hmm. in their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, there's just so much there and we're going to get into it. And I just want our audience to know why I'm so excited for the show that we have a lot in common, um, we both come from the minister, the world of ministry and doing full-time mm. ministry and really having no, you know, like when you're in the world of ministry and I worked on, you know, on a college level, not 200 grand would have been a lot for a college student to make. Right. <laughs> so I don't even know oh, if yeah. I, <laughs> if oh, I yeah. had that. And so, but I love what you've been able to do because you realize that you had gifts, you got out of that and you really started from the ground up. I mean, before we launched this and what I've been able to accomplish in my own business is a result of my network. Like I just Mm. tell young entrepreneurs this all the time. Like I am in the position I am today. And I honestly, Travis, I didn't even know what I was really doing, man, and why I was doing this. I was just showing up to places and knew. Honestly, I just enjoyed being around people. Like you just said, those half a billion type guys, I had never been around them before. And it gave me like a hunger that I had kind of never experienced to grow personally. And so I just, Mm. I kept showing up. And I realized a year later, oh snap, like I have something that people want to be a part of, which is actually just my network. Right. Um, and so I'm just so excited to get into your story, man. So if you don't mind, I just would love to pray for us and pray for our time like I normally do. And then we'll, we'll get in. Yeah. Um, so Heavenly Father, thank you so, so much for today. Thank you for Travis. Thank you for uh, just his life and, and his, uh, this ministry he has of really serving others through his network and um, in the way he is kind of touching uh, the the elite, uh, but also really serving those who are just getting started and just so grateful for him in the way that that reflects you. Pray now you bless his time, uh, that it really would help us, God, to really build and grow businesses for your glory. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.
Um, brother, so tell me, like, tell us a little bit about your story, kind of your path into entrepreneurship. Um, would, would love for our audience just to, to learn more about you. Yeah, so <clears throat> was raised in a, uh, I'd say like a subsect of Christianity. It was like, you know, Christianity as a whole, and then there's um, different denominations, obviously. And then we were like a, a section of a denomination. So it's like, Christian, and then there's Baptist, and then we were independent fundamental Baptist. Mm. Um, and uh, the interesting thing about those, uh, you know, subcultures of subcultures of Christianity is that um, a lot of them are the, you know, follow our rules. And if you don't follow our rules, then we don't fellowship with you type thing. And not just like we don't fellowship with you, but you know, you're not actually a Christian if you don't mm. believe the same things that we believe, whatever. And uh, so it, it was kind of a uh, an interesting way to grow up in, in terms of the, um, it, it was just a bubble. Um, so I grew up going to the same church. It was from the time that I was about three years old to the time I was about 21 uh, when I finally moved away from that city. Um, and it was a church of six, 7,000 people. So a pretty wow. good sized church in a podunk town too, uh, which is the, the kind of the interesting part. Uh, which made it, it, which made it really interesting because that was one of the only things going on in that whole city. So growing up, I literally was just growing up in this bubble. You know, um, I went to the school that was on the church campus, and I went to the college that was on the church campus. So I literally, you know, seven days a week, if you count, you know, Sundays there was church. Saturdays we had soul winning, so we would meet there and do that. We would have like a little uh, mini preaching, you know, sermon, and then we'd go out and knock doors and pass out invitations to come to church on Sunday. So, you know, Saturday soul winning, Sunday services, and we went to church and we did three days, uh, three times um, on Sunday. So we had Sunday school, and then we had Sunday morning church, and then we had Sunday night church, um, and then we had Wednesday night church. So we had <laughs> three times a week. And then I went to the school there and we had chapel twice a week and Bible class the days wow. that we didn't have chapel. So it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of church and inundation of the philosophy that that particular mm -hmm. movement um, had. And so I, you know, seven days a week from the time that I was three until the time that I was, you know, 21, essentially, obviously it's not a hundred percent seven days a week, but you know, more or less on an average, on a typical week, I was there Monday through Friday for school and then Saturday, soul winning, Sunday, um, um, church. And then even in elementary school, they had basketball leagues and that's where I was on Saturdays. So quite, you know, a really large portion of my life was lived on that one campus. I graduated kindergarten, eighth grade, high school and college all in the same exact campus. Um, so it was very much a, a bubble. It was, it was all this, this total, you know, independent world that when you step outside of it, nobody knows what, you know, you're even talking about anymore mm -hmm. um, or what you're referring to. But inside of it, it's like, this hustling, bustling community of, of, you know, people and stuff. So, um, that's why I say when, when I, you know, left all of that, that's why I say my network was, was essentially zero because, you know, when I left that, that world, a lot of those people didn't follow me, uh, anymore and, and didn't, you know, really support what I was up to because they right. thought they had a plan that they thought was, you know, good for my life. And I was going a different direction than they wanted me to. And so at that point, that's just kind of like, all right, we'll see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And, uh, and I'm, that's not everybody. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, put a big blanket statement out there. I don't, you know, have bitterness toward a lot of those people. A lot of those people just loved, loved me and wanted to see me, you know, fulfill, you know, whatever potential or, or whatever, however misguided it might've been, at least it was out of love. And so I, I don't, I'm not saying any of that stuff to say I have ill will towards these people. I'm just saying, like, just throwing the story out there for context, right? Sure. Um, so uh, having that college on the same campus as the high school, that was basically our only option, um, in high school of what college we were going to go to. There was no, we didn't have a guidance counselor. There was, you know, it was basically like, you're either going to go to the local community college or you're going to go to, um, to the ministerial college that we have on campus here. And of course they were always trying to get you to go to the college and go into full-time ministry. And it's a purely ministerial college. So there's no like quote unquote secular degrees there. Um, it's all ministerial degrees. Uh, so that's what I did. I, I, you know, dedicated my life or whatever to full-time ministry when I was 11 or 12 years old. And then, um, you know, nobody ever thought to ask me in high school if, you know, if I, if, uh, I wanted to stick to that decision that I made when I was 12, you know, <laughs> like they're just like, Oh, you committed, like you, we got you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a commitment to God. Can't break that. Um, and, uh, so th that's what I did. I, I went to, went to four years of Bible college. I graduated, um, uh, with a double major in Bible and in church ministries. And, uh, something interesting happened my junior year, a buddy of mine started knocking on doors. And up to this point, I'd just done like random things in business. I, I was always trying to hustle for a penny, you know, I was sold stuff to the other kids in elementary school. And then in high school, a buddy of mine and I started a, a landscaping company and we would just go mow lawns and we would put in lawns for like real estate investors. Um, we would go in and like, uh, you know, if they're doing a fix and flip, we just put lipstick on the front yard, essentially just, mm -hmm. you know, put sod in there, fix the sprinkler system and make it look nice or whatever. Um, but then in college, my uh, sophomore, junior year, a buddy of mine started doing door to door sales. And uh, I saw one of his paychecks one time, which now looking back was obviously really small, but at the time, I was like, wow, that's pretty big. You know, it was like <laughs> 900 to, bucks. Compared to a, a, a minister's uh, check, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I know right, all totally. about that. I know totally. all about that. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, I was like eight, 900 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. But what was interesting is that it was only a 20 hour work week. So, you know, I was like, wait, wait. So, so you, uh, that the summer before, this is the same friend of mine who had worked two completely separate jobs full time. So he's working 80 hours a week, two full time jobs. And what caught my attention was that he told me that this one check in 20 hours paid him more than both of his checks at 40 hours each. So in 20 hours, he made more than he did in 80 hours. And that was like, oh, interesting. There's something there. And then I liked the idea that uh, you got commissioned. So uh, there was an hourly base, but there was also commission. And um, I, I liked that idea. I, I, I never liked the, I, I was never okay with the thought that I could be doing the same, I could be doing more effort, putting in better work and producing better results for the company than somebody else. And I would get paid the same amount of money as that person. I never, never liked the thought of that, um, which is why I didn't really ever get a job up to that point. And uh, so then I started in door to door sales. And uh, it, I think I have a natural propensity toward being pretty good at that stuff. Uh, but I also just started working on it a lot because I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the chase a little bit, I guess. And um, uh, got promoted my first week, got promoted again. And then the third time I got promoted, I was, so now I'm, I'm full time. I'm like 19, 20 years old. I'm running a team of 20 door to door reps. And um, you know, I go from, I go from, from, you know, never really working to all of a sudden I'm making like 1500 bucks a week as a 19, 20 year old in college. 
doing door to door sales. What was interesting was on the weekends, I was interning at a church um, down in Orange County. And I, I, I found myself, I found myself asking myself questions during that time, because on the weekends, I was doing the thing that I was supposed to be doing for the rest of my life, right? I was interning at a church, I was working at a church, that's what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. But then I found myself looking forward to getting back to school on on the weekdays, which was about two hours north of Orange County in like northern LA County, which is where I went to school. And um, I found myself looking forward to getting back to school, like, which is weird anyway, right? Like, you know, like going back to school is weird, like looking forward to getting back to school on Monday, like who, who wants to do that? Um, but I was looking forward to, you know, leaving that church on the weekends to go back to school Monday so that I could go work in the afternoon. And I was started that, that was the beginning of it. You know, I was like, this is odd. Why, why am I real? Why am I wanting to do this other thing? And why am I wanting to leave the thing that I'm supposed to be doing for the rest of my life to go do this other thing that I'm going to be quitting, you know, when I graduate college. So that's really when I started like asking myself questions. And for the first time since I was 12, started considering potentially maybe a different career path, which in that world is total taboo. Like it's just not, you know, they, 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 they want you to be in ministry and you're at a ministerial college, which, you know, so obviously makes sense. They want you to be in ministry. But when you don't go, like, I remember, I remember some of the preachers would get up there and talk about like this person that it was such a sad story that they were going to go into ministry. And then they would like tell the end result and it wasn't, it wasn't bad. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, well, you know, he was supposed to be in ministry, but now he's doing drugs. It wasn't that. It was like, he was supposed to be in ministry, but now he's a used car salesman. It was like, <laughs> like that doesn't sound that bad to me. Like it's like the same hours, but like triple the pay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he still goes to church on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just he's like, sitting in the second row. You know? yeah, right. <laughs> so it was just odd to me, man. I was just like, this is, this is weird. Um, <laughs> And, but but that's just how it was. That's how that culture was. And so the moment I brought it up to anybody, like I had a couple, you know, friends that I brought it up to because I was in line to get a pretty good uh, promotion at that at that company of, uh, after working there for a few months. And it was going to it, it would be a six figure position. And at 21 years old, you know, 20 years old, um, that's a pretty solid uh, you know, position to take, uh, from, especially having no, you know, degree or any, you know, I mean, I, I, I was literally just knocking doors for like eight or nine months and I was about to find myself making six figures at 20 years old, um, with no prior experience or degree in that area or anything. And, uh, so I, I mentioned it to a couple friends and it was, it was immediately just like a shutdown, you know what I mean? Like, uh, well, you know, uh, don't, don't want, don't want to chase the money. Like you got to go, you know, follow, follow what, you know, you've been called to do or whatever. So I never really felt like I could talk about it with, to anybody. Yeah. And it was just internal and I, and I was just wrestling with it, losing sleep over it. And, um, uh, eventually, eventually, uh, graduated. I got married. My, I remember telling my fiance at the time that I was thinking of those things and it was the same kind of reaction from her. And, um, she's always been really supportive of everything that I do, but you know, the initial reaction was like, Whoa, what? Cause her plan was always to be a youth pastor's wife or whatever. And, um, so I remember, I remember uh, interviewing with a pastor. I interviewed with several pastors. Uh, they were looking for youth pastors or whatever. And I just remember getting out of every single interview being like, I would hate this. Every one of them. I would just like, 
and a couple of them were pretty good churches with like good pastors. And, and, uh, the, the pastor of the church that I went to was like setting up meetings personally because, you know, I was, I grew up there. I was one of the few people, you know, the college had like a thousand kids at it. Uh, but of the, you know, I don't know, 200 people in our graduating class, only like 10 of us went to like kindergarten there all the way up through college, right? So he had a more of a vested interest in what I was doing. And so he set up meetings with people and I, I had interviews and every time I'd get out, I was just like, man, I don't want to do this. And uh, uh, finally had an <clears throat> interview with a pastor who happened to be my junior high youth pastor at that same church who was now pastoring up in central California, which is like Fresno area. And uh, he was the first, the first time anybody in that world ever told me that he was okay with me doing whatever I wanted to do, but he wanted me to come up and be a part of the church. He was like, he was like, Hey man, we have a full-time position available. You can have that. We have a part-time position available. You can have that, or you can just come up and be like, just be a layman in the church and do it. Like we just, we, we, we like you, we like your wife and we like your guys' attitude and your spirit. We would just love to have you come up and be a part of the church. It was the first time I'd ever heard anything like that. And that was the, that was the only interview that I got out of that I was actually excited for. So I took a part-time position with the church um, so that I, the only reason, the only reason that I, that I took a part-time position instead of doing, you know, full-time business or whatever was so that I could tell everybody at the college that I was going into ministry when they asked me like, Oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to work up in Fresno at this church, blah, blah, blah. Like that was the only reason just so that I could tell everybody else that this is what I was doing. And, uh, so I got up there and uh, for the first time in my life, and the only time in my life, by the way, I actually had to get a nine to five because we were trying to buy a house. And um, obviously this was post real estate market crash. You know, this was like uh, 2014, 2015. And um, so- You couldn't just show them your pulse anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. And being, <laughs> being a commission, you know, a commission sales rep um, and being that young, I didn't have enough work history. Um, especially not 100% commission work history to show them that I could pay my mortgage. So I took an internal transfer in the company I was working for to get a nine to five like uh, position at that same company. And then, uh, so I had that job for about five weeks and it prevented me, it made me work on Sundays. That job made me work on Sundays. So I couldn't do the part-time position that I had initially said yes to. And um, it was crazy, bro, because just being away from everything like that bubble that I was in for five weeks, I had enough clarity in five weeks to be able to say that like, um, as soon as we closed escrow, I, uh, on that, on that, on that house, I quit my job immediately and went wow. back to hundred percent commission stuff. And I could have taken up that part-time position back at the church. Like I had initially, you know, said yes to, but all it took was five weeks of being out by myself without being influenced by all these outside influences. Um, five weeks and I had enough clarity to be like, I don't want to do that. So i like, I'm sorry that I'm sorry. You're gonna have to find another person to do that position. Cause if I did it, I would just be like half-assing it and it wouldn't be a good situation for anybody. Um, and uh, so yeah, that, I, that was my story of like spending my entire life on a trajectory, on a career path headed toward ministry. And then I finally get the offer and I move my fam, my, my wife and I up to that area, we get the house and then everything's poised for me to go take that position. And I was just like, I am not supposed to do this. And, uh, and I didn't do it. I'm just, I put my head down and door to door and, 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 you know, that's been four, three, four years now. It's crazy, man. Like we're talking about networking today and how powerful it can be you know your story is also an idea is also like a, a a representation of like how 
powerful it can be in in the negative way as well in the sense oh, yeah, of like right. you know what i mean like and i don't think maybe a lot of people are hearing this like oh yeah like i i got it, it, maybe it's not so much you were legitimately in this entire kind of system culture ecosystem family, yeah totally right but some people just got like negative friends mm -hmm. that are literally mm -hmm. having the same effect on them right now you mm -hmm. know and um and there is something like something about the minister ministry world and it's not just in the fund, fundamental world because i have experiences or felt this not from anybody really close to me but probably outside of that or maybe it's just what i felt when i was trying to get out of this that like man am i leaving my greatest impact in ministry to go pursue something outside of that like mm, yeah. that was a big barrier for me you know right. and i shared that a lot and and it was several authors and and just friends and, and advisors who helped me realize like no god is like when we create as an entrepreneur, we also can reflect God and have an impact. And so mm -hmm. and a lot of times, even a, a greater impact, um, you know, every, everybody needs money, bro. Everybody, needs money. you know what I'm saying? Like everybody needs money. So, <laughs> well, that's the king of capitalist show, man. Like yeah, that's, you can generate a lot of income. You can help a lot of people. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, and that's what the show is focused on is we want to help Christians make more money and we're unashamed about that like and and i feel un and th that's the thing about the bubble man because like it took me a long time to really get comfortable saying i want to help christians make money because what i realized i'm telling that to the wrong people totally um, um, growing up that way especially in the fundamentalist circles was um you have a really, really broken relationship with money. That was one of the first things that I had to do when I got into the business world was fix my my money mindset. Yeah. Um, I remember one time I was listening to a podcast. Uh, this was like this was before I started my show. This is just when I started getting into podcasting and, and personal development for the first time. And I was listening to Grant Cardone, and uh, he said, you know, that getting rich starts with a commitment to get rich and to make money. And if he's like, if you're not fully committed to it, you're not going to be, you're, you're going to give up at some point because it's sometimes really hard, basically is essentially, you know, the topic of conversation. So he was like, wherever you are right now, I want you to say out loud these words, I want to get rich or I will get rich or something like that. And I remember being by myself, totally by myself in my car, not able to say that phrase out mm -hmm. loud. And at that point I was like, man, this is like a deep rooted belief about what money is and and how it works if i can't even when i'm totally by myself nobody's around like nobody can even hear me say it i wasn't posting it on social media i wasn't signing my name to a pledge and like sending it to all my friends it was literally just saying a phrase out loud and i felt physical resistance from being able to say that because of my broken money mindset and that's when i really started started to work on that and, and really consciously started to get books that were going to help me fix that fix that mindset and, and to tell me that like, Hey, you know what? Money just, money isn't just like, it's, it's not even just okay. It's actually awesome to have a lot of money. It's actually like fulfilling my potential to have a lot of money and it's okay to make money a goal. Like money is an awesome thing and it helps us do things. It helps us live a lifestyle. It helps us be less stressed most of the time. It, you know, like there's so many amazing things that money does, but for some reason it's just this taboo topic. And I think ultimately what it is, it's just the people that don't have it want to justify the reasoning why they don't have it. And uh, so they want to demonize it and make it sound evil because, um, you know, because they never put in the work to figure out how to attract more of it. Um, so they want to make you feel bad that you have it 
because you had to have done something bad in order to get it. And I was telling Jackie, my, my, my wife, this yesterday, because I just got back um, last night from interviewing, I don't know if you know, Dean Graziosi mm-hmm. and um, Cody Sperber, both yeah. big real estate guys. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, they're both in Arizona. I, I went out there and, and interviewed both of them in person yesterday. Super world-class dudes, um, love their families, love their communities. They donate a lot of money. They help a lot of people. Um, they've changed the lives of so many people through their trainings and their education. And, um, and, uh, and it's just funny when you hang out with people like that because growing up, whenever anybody talks about people that had money, it was always in a negative light. So uh, you always have that thought that like if somebody has money, it means that they screwed somebody over to get ahead at some point and they're not a good person. And, uh, and that's one of the amazing things that building my network in the way that I've done it has done for me is opening me up to basically, I I don't know if I've had a conversation with somebody on a podcast where I've gotten the feeling that like, man, this person's just out to get people and they're just there to scam people. Yeah. Maybe once or twice. Um, and some people are bad people. Right. Um, but the majority of the time, those people like in order to be able to set yourself up to be able to attract that kind of income into your life and that type of net worth into your life, you have to have become a different type of a person. Like you have to have become a hardworking individual that cares about other people that helps the needs of others. Like you have to care about the people that work for you. You have to care about the people you do business with. Like there's so you have to become a type of person that's like, that's somebody that, that is actually more of a loving and caring person than the average person would be. And, uh, you know, growing up, it was always thrown in your face that, you know, if you, if you have money that all you care about is money and, and you know what I mean? That, that nothing, nothing, nobody else matters and nothing else matters and you're just a piece of crap. And so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems that I, that I had to fix about, about my mindset around money when, when I first got back into business. Real quick, I just would love to hear like, um, was it, was it listening to audio book? Yeah. Was it, mm-hmm. there, were there a couple key resources that you could share that just helped you kind of begin to change that, that money mindset? Yeah. Podcasting and audiobooks. Um, I, I read a lot more now than I used to. Um, I, I mean, a lot more. I never was a reader before. I'd never read anything is even my school projects, you know, I just hated doing it. But, um, so when I started getting into personal development, like 95% of it was audio and, you know, I'd maybe read every once in a while. Um, so one of the books I would highly recommend to anybody who's trying to work on this would be secrets of the millionaire mind, um, by T Harvecker. Um, that was a very uncomfortable book for me that yeah, like, totally. like your story of like, Say saying I, stuff out loud. Yeah, yeah. like did you listen to it on audio? I know I read it, okay. and and I remember like pr- like practicing some of the stuff he does yeah. in front of my wife, and she was like, "Who are you?" And I was yeah. like, "I know." He tells I know. you. He tells you to. Yeah. He tells you to like say stuff out loud, or whatever. Yeah. But it's so powerful to say it out mm-hmm. loud because of that. Because when I first started listening to it, I was like, "I don't need to say this stuff out loud," and I just challenged internally to be like, "You know what? The reason, like, why is there even resistance for me to say this out loud? Why is that weird? Because I've created this mentality that people who do this are weird, but they're not. (laughs) Um, They're just empowering themselves with like thoughts about money and themselves that make themselves more capable of achieving better things. And um, so, yeah, Secrets on the Inner Mind would would be one I would highly recommend. Um, there's a couple other ones that I've, that I've read, um, more recently, uh, that I would add to that list. Like, um, uh, you need more money by Matt Monero, um, is a buddy of mine and he he, uh, wrote that book. It's a really good money mindset book, um, to uh, really put into context, like how much money is a lot of money and, you know, uh, how to attract more money and, and be smarter about spending and different things like that. Um, uh, Dan Locke's new book, Unlock It. 
was actually really good for some money mindset stuff. I just finished that one like a week ago. Um, and, uh, and it helps fix a couple of broken things about money. Uh, but people that talk about money a lot, I'd recommend listening to people like that. Like even if you don't, you know, like Grant Cardone or whatever, um, I, he, the, he talks about money, uh, be willing to listen to people that talk about money a lot and make money a normal topic of conversation because it's so taboo, man, for some reason, like every, it's so taboo in most circles that you're never allowed to talk about money or ask about money or think about money. And so, uh, try to get it, try to listen, inundate yourself with people who like, don't give a crap and they're just going to talk about money regardless. And and they enjoy talking about money. And and even like Grant Cardone, like I don't agree with everything Grant believes. I mean, I think the dude's a Scientologist. Like we clearly have different beliefs, but I listen to Grant Cardone because what Grant Cardone does for me, he expands my mindset to a point that I'm uncomfortable and, and I, and I'm, I think I'm mature enough to, to weed out the things that Grant Cardone says that totally. I maybe don't yeah. agree with, but that doesn't yeah, mean I should throw it. out right. everything. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Exactly. Like the dude exactly. is performing at a unbelievable level, right? You know, and he's especially, done it. I mean, especially for your audience in the real exactly. estate world, you know? Yeah. So anyways, man, that's excellent. Uh, that's some really good stuff there just about mindset, which I'm all about. I, I would also add the, um, book, which was highlight for me in 2019 was, um, uh, mindset, the psychology of success. Uh, by, it was a psychologist. Oh, oh yeah, by it. Carol Dweck. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent read. Uh, just about mindset in general. So, anyways, man, thank you for for sharing some of that. That's really really excellent. And your story, just being honest about that, I know that's gonna really serve a lot of our listeners. Um, I kind of want to change the, the conversation a little bit in the sense of you know our audience really are more established entrepreneurs. Um, business owners, many are doing seven, eight figures in mm-hmm. their business. And so, you know, the two things I know you're an expert at is really networking. I mean, just in the intentionality that you have, you go about building your network and then podcasting. And so it can almost seem though, like the idea of networking or the idea of podcasting can just kind of be like to start out, like, mm-hmm. you know, in order to start my business or kind of start making money, let me grow my network, or maybe let me yeah. try this podcast. But I know the clients you work with, um, even one of my best friends, you know, who was actually guest number two, um, Joey, you're going to, you're working with him in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and he's a successful entrepreneur. So I know that's not true. So first of all, speak to that the idea of like, even the elite, you know, more established folks, why networking and po- podcasting could benefit them. And then let's get into that. Like, I really yeah. want to get into some detail about what can we do to continue to invest in our network and why podcasting might really help us make more money. Yeah. So let me address networking first, because I think it's easier of a topic. I think it's easier to convince people that it's good. All I would say is that if you are already a successful person, meaning that you're already bringing in a certain revenue, you know, seven, eight figures, even high six figures, whatever, you're, you're achieving success that's above normal. Just look at the people that you have around you and now, like now being this level of success that you are, the people around you that are also making that much money and ask yourself, if I would have gotten around this exact circle of people five years ago or 10 years ago or whenever it was for you where you were struggling to make ends meet when, because everybody's been at that position unless you're just like a trust fund kid, right? Like put yourself back in that mindset and ask yourself, would it, would it have been helpful for me to hang out with these people that are my, for my really good friends now? And the answer is overwhelmingly yes, of course. So why not continue to do that? Why not continue to unlock the next set of rules by getting around the next level of people who are going to open you up to the next um, uh, uh, possibility or opportunity? Um, 
And then within your network, you'll, you'll learn a lot. Yeah. You'll gain knowledge. You'll, you'll, you can't help, but gain knowledge when you rub shoulders with people that have so much more knowledge than you. Um, but through, through relationships comes opportunity and opportunity, um, I think is, is one thing that's not in abundance for most people. They, they have a, a scarcity mindset when it comes to opportunity, like there's not enough opportunity out there. And, uh, that just tells me that you don't know enough people because if you know enough people, there's going to be a lot of more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I, I think, like I said, I, I don't think I have to convince your listeners that networking's good. I think probably most of them would agree that, hey, it's probably a good idea for me to go meet higher level people because that'll push me to continue being a better version of myself. Right. Um, but so I, I kind of want to dive more into podcasting. Well, let me add to that real quick because and and because we're going to get into podcasting, but we had a, um, a CEO on here, Heath Reitenor. <clears throat> He's doing over $200 million in revenue in his business now. And he inherited the company. And they were doing 50 to $70 million. And in the last really decade, they've been able to really grow that to that. And the thing I asked him was, like, what was the turning point? And, he, and his answer literally was, I brought on a board of advisors who helped me see what I didn't see. Hmm. You know, and, and that's so powerful. Like, so if you're doing, if you're at seven figures, figure out a way to get around people who are doing eight. Because they're seeing things and they're doing things differently. It's such a simple tweak for them. Yeah. Um, just like it would be for you. If you're, if you're talking to some, if you're somebody who makes, you know, let's say just $1 million a year, just to keep it a round number. And you're talking to somebody who's making $65,000 a year and they really want to get to six figures. A lot of times for you, it's as simple as looking at what they're doing and saying, oh, well, you're, 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 you know, you, you need this. Like, oh, well, you know, you just need to add an income stream to your business and sell it to your existing client base. Like, oh, well, you just need to, you know what I mean? Like you can yeah. look at it and be like, oh yeah, duh. Like it's right there. It's right in front of your eyes. That's the same thing that's going to happen to you and your business when you get around people who are operating at such a higher level than, than where you're operating. Yeah. And best way I can illustrate that would be the other day, I have a, my son is eight, eight months old now, probably two, three months ago. He was four or five months when he was just figuring out how to grab his own pacifier and put it in his mouth. Right. And, uh, and it's one of those web and nubs. So if you parents out there listening, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, a uh, there's like a stuffed animal dog and it's attached to the pacifier and it helps it like stay in their mouth when they're, when they're holding it. And, uh, he was trying to put this pacifier in his mouth and he kept like missing and I noticed, I was just watching him do this. I noticed that the, the dog was upside down. And the way that the, the webinubs are, the dog is attached to one side of the pacifier. So the fact that it was upside down kept leveraging like the tip of the pacifier up. So he couldn't actually like put it in his <laughs> mouth. You know, he just like kept like banging it against his face and couldn't figure out what was going on. And for me, in my infinite wisdom, right? Like my exponential, because if you compare my knowledge, right, to my four-month-old son's knowledge, it's exponential, right? It's exponentially greater than his knowledge of how the world works. So me looking at him, he was trying like all his, his best into figuring out what was wrong and how, why it wasn't going in his mouth. He's putting all of his thought into this, right? And for me, it would have been simple as just like reaching out, tweaking one little thing and turning the pacifier back right side up. And it would have solved all of his problems because even if he figured out how to get it in his mouth with it being upside down, it would have popped right back out because the way it was leveraged would just like pop it back out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand any of that. All he knows is he's trying to put this pacifier in his mouth. So maybe you're out there and like, all you know is you're just trying to double your revenue this year. You're just trying to get from 1 million to 2 million. You're trying to get, you know, you're trying to get from 2 million to, to 5 million or whatever. But somebody who's, who has knowledge that's exponentially beyond what you have been achieving so far in your life 
can look at what you're doing and reach out and tweak one little thing that you would have poured over for a week or two weeks with your entire team and like, you know, 12 whiteboard sessions across all of your walls in your freaking office. And like this one guy can come in and be like, oh yeah, you, you, you messed that up. Totally. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that's I, the power. I, I, of I truly believe most like the, the people who are really working hard in their business, who are really have a big vision to accomplish things and like are stuck. I, I truly believe like you are one connection away. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's for everybody because most people need a couple connections and need to yeah. work harder in their business. But for the people who are like listeners of this show, truly believe that you're one, you're one connection in your network away from really mm-hmm. opening up that. Would you agree to that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. One conversation with one connection could lead to, you know, opening up an extra 10 or 20% in your business just from like one thing that they say that you're like, ah, duh, you know, duh. Like, why am I not doing that? I'm so glad you said it. So we, Travis, you may or may not know this, but we have a a mastermind for Kingdom Capitalists that really bring it together, these type of folks. And I'm so glad you're you're affirming this because I have and it is there, there's an investment to it and it's not cheap, mm-hmm. right? Um, and part of that is because we're trying to weed out the folks that aren't doing big things in their business, right? Totally. And and so totally. the price tag is to scare away those who really aren't thinking at this type of level. Mm-hmm. But it's that idea of like when you, we're making an investment like this, the, a lot of the feedback sometimes I get is like, I don't know if I can spend that. Like you know, I need to go talk to my wife or whatever it is. And I'm so glad you're saying this because what they don't understand, like, bro. It, you're one connection away. Like you right. actually can't afford to not be in this mastermind. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know you have your own mastermind as well. Maybe you could speak I to do. that. Like, yeah, I'm a big proponent of masterminds, man. I, I mean, to give you an idea, I've been I've been in business with this online stuff since August of 2017. So really, not that long. Like, you know, we're January 2020 right now. So, you know, a little bit under two and a half years I've been doing this. In that time, I have invested over $150,000 just in masterminds. I'm in one mastermind this year that that's $100,000 to be in. Wow. And if that doesn't speak to how much I believe in the power of these groups, then uh, then I don't know what will, you know. Um, I definitely put my money where my mouth is when I say I believe in in the power of being in these mastermind groups because of that exact thing. There's I mean there's so many benefits with, you know, just getting around those types of people. The level of conversation is different. Um, the um, uh, the type of revenue that people are doing in their business is completely different. The way that people are operating is completely different. The vocabulary is different. The connections, the networks that all those people have are different. Everything's different. But if you can get in and have one relationship with somebody that you're just sitting down having a you know drink over or having dinner with them one dime or a coffee or whatever, they could just say one thing, man. Just say one thing and you might not even be able, you might, you might not even be talking on purpose about this business thing or this struggle or problem that you've been having. But just being a part of those conversations with people that are operating on levels like that can just unlock something that you didn't even think about. You know, you have, and that doesn't mean that you're dumb. It just means you have your own areas of expertise that you thrive in and you excel in. And that's why you're in that group because something that you say might help that person unlock yeah. something in their business that they never thought about. Yeah. Like it's the power of collaboration. It, it's that whole, it's that whole, you know, uh, story of, of uh, the, how, how much a single horse can pull by itself. But then when you add another horse onto it, it like, I forget the exact numbers, but quadruples or quintuples the output um, that from a single horse, like you would think basic math that it would just double the output, but it doesn't. It triples or quadruples it, whatever yeah. the number is. Um, 
And uh, that's the power of like synergy and, and collaboration with other people who are smart, who uh, think along the same lines as you, who have a similar mindset, who have like read the same books and who have similar goals. Getting around those types of people, man, it's, it's, priceless. it's and, priceless. And not only that, we're talking about the work. You, you've literally doubled or maybe quadrupled or in our, we have multiple people in our mastermind. You've 10x your network, right? And so like, for example, I'm a mastermind. He's trying to close this big industrial deal. He calls me yesterday. Hey, I need this. I, I'm, I'm our, our lender just pulled out. Do you have an, do you have anybody, you know, well, I don't know. Let me go to my LinkedIn network of over 5,000 people and find the lenders, you know, that hit me up every day. And so he's able to leverage my network and who knows how much he's going to make in this deal. But if he doesn't close the deal, he probably was going to lose several hundred thousands of dollars. If I can help him find a lender, he just made who knows how much and he spent a fraction of that to access my network. And that's the bottom line, bro, is that you have to, masterminds are an investment. Yeah. Getting around people like that, that's an investment. And it's one that's always paid dividends back in my life. And the, the, the crazy thing is I truly believe that I haven't even scratched the surface of the power of these groups mm-hmm. because I've only been doing it for two and a half years. Yeah. I truly think the main benefit from being in these groups right now is going to be a decade from now. I truly believe that. I truly believe it. I'm 27 right now. When I'm 37 and like there, there could be somebody in this group that I meet now that we never, ever do business together. And then seven, eight years down the road, we're like, Hey man, we should do this. And then we could create a completely different business out of thin air at that point and make a lot of money too. Like there, I, I just truly believe that the, 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 um, uh, the benefits are so much more long-term. Like if you can get short-term benefits, great. That's just the cherry on top. Right. The real, the real benefit comes from like long-term relationship creation by meeting people that you never would have met before who are on a similar level, playing a similar game and have similar goals, likes, and interests as you have. Um, not to mention entrepreneurship is a lonely game. Not a lot of people in our lives understand the way that we think and the way that we act. Um, you know, our family members, though they may love us, sometimes they don't understand why we do the things that we do. They don't understand, you know, they don't understand why you drop $100,000 on a mastermind. And, and like, especially when I just had a kid, you know, like some people don't understand that type of mentality. There's like, you're wasting your money. Like you, you need to be saving that money for a rainy day or whatever. And uh, they just don't understand that. So when you get around a group, like it can feel really, really lonely sometimes. There's the, the stats are staggering, bro. The stats are staggering. I read something recently that said that 72% of entrepreneurs um, are self-diagnosed with some sort of mental um, illness, like depression or anxiety or, mm-hmm. um, you know, due to loneliness because it's a lonely road sometimes mm-hmm. um, when you're the person that's supposed to make it all happen and you're, everybody's looking to you for leadership and guidance. It's sometimes really lonely. And just that alone by getting in some of these groups, um, just to have friends that actually truly understand where you're coming from. I'm not saying, I'm not one of those people that says like, ditch everybody except for these people. Like, I'm not one of those people. Um, you know, my best friends I've known since I was three, they're like brothers to me and we'll always be good friends. Um, but I also understand that like those guys don't understand a lot of the things that I do. They're totally supportive and you know, like we can hang out anytime um, and they're totally supportive of whatever I do. They just don't understand it. Right. So I need to make it a concerted effort to go get around people who are like me, just like they would need to make an effort to go get around people that are like them. Just, it's a little bit easier for those people because they typically have jobs that are full of other people that are just like them, you know? So like when you're an entrepreneur, especially if you're a solopreneur, um, you got to, you got to do it on purpose. It's not going to happen, but it's not going to happen like on accident. You know what I mean? 
Excellent, man. So good. Um, so, so good. The people in our, in our masterminds are like shaking their head. Yes. And everybody, yeah. everybody else is like, mm, I'm not yeah, sure. What's a mastermind? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't know what a mastermind sounds is. Sounds like a scam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sounds like a scam. hundred yeah. percent. That's amazing. So, um, well, the last part of our time, I know we're kind of wrapping up here, but man, I, I'd be amiss to not talk about podcasting with you, especially for, you know, the more established business owners. Yeah. Let's talk about, how a podcast could actually help people who are, you know, already you know, like we know someone who's already doing seven figures in their business and mm-hmm. they've applied to work with you. Mm-hmm. Why the heck would they do that? And then let's, you know, maybe you could share some tips about um, really, you know, for me, I mean, I got some questions for you. So let's just start with that first question and then I could, we can get tactful. Yeah. So that's really the only people that I help now are people who have businesses that are doing high six figures or seven figures. Um, you know, I'll, you know, every once in a while I'll help eight figures, nine figures. Uh, the majority of the time though, it's six, seven figures. And uh, there's, there's just a multitude of reasons. I think the mistake that people make is thinking that the only reason to start a show is that it'll eventually become the Gary V audio experience and you'll have millions of downloads. And if you ever do anything that doesn't match up to that, that it's a complete and utter failure. And that's just a complete misconception of what podcasting can do for you. Um, number one, and ultimately the number one thing that has done for me is my network. It's kept me accountable to building my network on purpose full of super high caliber people because I feel a debt to my audience to bring to them a certain type of person through, you know, 370 plus episodes that we've released on the show. I feel that obligation to be able to share that with them. Um, So it has by itself exploded my network and increased my network exponentially that even if I would have been in this world, but I didn't have a podcast, my network would be nowhere near what it is now. It, sh- it would definitely be more than it was when I first started. Um, cause it didn't take much to improve on what I had, but, um, uh, but it, no, it would be nowhere near where, where, where it is now. Had I not, had I not had the podcast, it, it just is the perfect value adding excuse to connect with whoever you want to connect with. Um, so that, I mean, just, just that alone is worth starting a podcast. Even if you never like advertise it a bunch, even if you never reach 1 million downloads total in the lifetime of your show, like even if those things never happen, even if you never reach a hundred thousand, but who cares? The main thing is getting out there and having conversations with people that you normally would have never been able to have a conversation. Well, you and I right now, bro, like how long have we been talking an hour? Like I don't do hour long calls with people. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you just wanted to like book a call and chat for an hour, like I don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't have time to do that, but you have a podcast. So you said, Hey, can we chat on my podcast? And I said, yeah, let's do it. So now we're chatting on a podcast. You're asking me all the questions that you want to ask me that you are curious about. So you get all, it's basically like a free, you know, coaching session that you can take and share with your audience and borrow credibility from like the name that I've built in the industry. And you can do that with so many other people besides just me. And it gives you the perfect way um, to connect with all these people just because you have a podcast, right? The, the return based on the amount of time or energy or money that you put into it is exponential um, and long-term. So for you long-term thinkers out there, um, you know, uh, I highly, highly recommend creating some form of content, um, whether it be a blog, a podcast, or a YouTube channel. Um, I'm just a big proponent of podcasting because I, I think it's the best of those three platforms, but that's a, that's a totally different conversation. Well, you can do both. I mean, you could put your podcast on the YouTube and then you have both. Yeah, totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the, uh, like help a person in an industry 
I mean, let's just use our last guest, for example, Heath. I mean, I don't think you'll mind me using it. He's a CEO of a large insurance company. Okay. You know, how could, how could a podcast help someone like that in, a, in an industry like insurance, you yeah. know, like. Perfect. Yeah. I have a perfect example. Um, a friend of mine, Patrick Bed David, I don't know if you know him or not. Um, he has an insurance agency, a life insurance agency called people helping people. Um, he is, uh, I want to say, I want to say they started their YouTube channel maybe four years ago, uh, something like that. Um, and around that time they had about 2000 agents or something like that. Uh, and then I interviewed him when I first started my show and their YouTube channel was up to about a quarter million subscribers and their agency was up to about 4,000 agents. Now, they're well over 10,000 agents. They're well over a million subscribers on YouTube. And a lot of people know his name. And I asked him, I was like, hey man, what did, what did your personal brand and your YouTube and the contents you put out do for your business? And he said, it, it, it grows it exponentially. Like that, there's no way for me to like really even track it because of the credibility that it brings him, because of the traffic that it brings him, the people that now know his name that didn't know him before that are, that are, are um, consuming entrepreneurial type content that are looking for an opportunity. And uh, then he's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I own this insurance agency that has unlimited income earning potential for you. If you want to become an insurance agent in my insurance agency, mm. then go over here and get to know this person or this individual. Um, and then he's over there having conversations with people like Kevin Hart and Kobe Bryant on his show. And uh, so somebody on YouTube listens to this guy or, you know, Ray Dalio the other day, somebody on YouTube's going around searching entrepreneurial content. They see this random dude interviewing people and then their friend pitches them on this new opportunity called people helping people. And they're like, Hey, have you heard of Patrick, but David? And they're like, Oh, actually, yes, I did. I just saw yeah. him interview Kobe. How much credibility is that? How much easier is it for that person to sell him to the next person? Like, it does wonders for everything. Like uh, he, he asked me a question when I asked him that question. He was like, um, tell me, do you, do you know who the CEO of, um, you know, Lyft is? And I was like, no. And he goes, do you know who the CEO of, um, and he named another like Fortune 500 company, you know, like Johnson & Johnson. Do you know who the CEO of Johnson & Johnson is? Uh, no. Okay. What about Apple? Yes. Okay. What about Microsoft? Yes. Okay. Like it, you're, you're essentially attaching a personality to your business, which gives you higher retention and allows you to be able to reach people that you would not have been able to reach before. Right. Um, uh, so that, I mean, th those are just some of the side effects. Um, but they're, you know, a lot of people it's direct impact into your business. All you have to do is set up a show and interview your ideal clients. That's it. Like, Set up a show and make a list of all your ideal clients, people that you would love to have as clients in your business, and then try to set up interviews with them. That you're not setting up a call to pitch them on your services. You're not setting, like you're only adding value to them. You're only giving to them. You're, only, you're starting off the relationship with you giving something to them, which is exposure to your audience in order for them to grow their business. How much more likely are they to switch to you or to start using you um, if they need your product or service or recommend you to somebody who does need their product yeah. or service that might be a same or similar business to their business. Yeah. Um, it only puts out goodwill into the universe. When you put out goodwill in the universe, into the universe, like the law of reciprocity will always kick in and provide value back to you. 
And we're not, like, I love that. It's like an incredible tip, like interview your ideal client. And for all the reasons you just said, but also think about this, your ideal client, who do they know? Your mm-hmm. other ideal clients, right? And, right. and if you yeah. put out good content and it's shareable, what are they going to do? They're going right. to share your content because, oh, cool. Look at me. I was on the podcast. Like, of course, yep. you know, with this big time CEO or entrepreneur, whoever it is like, so that's great. It's great feedback. Let me, um, to wrap up. For me, this is completely selfish time here, but I think it's going to help a lot of people as well. As far as like building the idea of making money from podcasting, which is mm-hmm. what you're doing. You know, you've built a business around this. And I, in some ways, I just don't know what I'm doing, man. I'm just creating good content and bringing on good guests, right? Like, mm-hmm. I would love to know what are some kind of initial steps, even for me or someone who's early in podcasting. We have a good show. I mean, you know, we're starting to rank. Not that that means mm-hmm. anything, but what were some of the first things that you began to do or maybe some things you've learned in podcasting a lot that, um, that have really kind of taken it to the next level and even helped you kind of reach a lifestyle that, that you're really enjoying. Yeah. Are you talking about ter- in terms of like uh, monetization? Mon- yes, or- exactly. Monetization. Okay. 100%. Uh, there's a lot of different ways, but, um, for me, masterminds is always a big thing, which sounds like you're already doing. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, so what I always recommend podcasters do specifically is to build a back-end higher ticket offer that they can add insane amount of value to their ideal client um, and make it a price that is um, uh, that filters out the clients that you don't want for you automatically just because the price is you know where it should be um, but where you're not just charging something for the sake of charging something, where you're adding real value to them. Build out a high ticket offer and sell that offer through the podcast. Um, That and having a mastermind would be the first two entry points that I would say. Um, Because, you know, unless you have an audience of a million people, you know, building a $300 online course isn't going to do anything for you unless you have a really big budget to spend on, you know, Facebook ads or Google ads or anything like that. Uh, But if you don't, you're just trying to use the organic traffic from your podcast, then you got to be able to, you got to be able to make it worth the time to have that income stream. Um, Which is why I always say, Hey, like start with a high ticket product or service, use the money from that to build your audience and then create a lower ticket product or service um, once your audience starts growing a lot. Um, but I mean, there, there, there's a lot of different directions we could take that conversation, that's but that's what, what I would say. What, are, what, are the, what is that for you? Just out of curiosity. What, what is what, the offer? Yeah, what is the offer that you use yeah, for your show? One-on-one podcast coaching and consulting. Got it. Yeah, so um, helping people create. Um, so from idea through to creation, to launch, to growth, to monetization of a podcast. Excellent. Excellent. So I help people do that. And then I have a high ticket mastermind, a lower ticket mastermind. I do a live event um, every year. Uh, I do some retreats and uh, just different things like that. Where can our listeners go to really learn all about that? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah. So if you want just, I have so much free stuff out there. So if you're listening to this right now and you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to buy any of your stuff, bro. <laughs> um, then uh, check out some of my free stuff. Cause I got 370 plus episodes of the podcast with some really high caliber individuals. Um, so that'd be a good place to start. Uh, that's just travischapel.com. You can see all like, you know, connect with me on any social that you spend the most time on. I'm basically on all of them. So um, if you go to travischapel.com, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, travischapel.com will have all of my social media, have my email on there. 
Um, you can reach out on email on any of the social sites. Um, and then uh, if you're interested in doing some coaching with me, that's just at travischapel.com slash coaching. And uh, it's just a quick application that I have people fill out and then I'll book a call with you and see if we are a good fit. I always tell people like, look, if you're 1% interested, you may as well like go fill out the app and book a call because, you know, there's no harm in at least chatting about it to see if we'd be a good fit to work with each other to see if it'd even be a good fit for your business or not. So um, I always tell people to at least go check it out and let's hop on a call and and at least chat about it. So that's travischapel.com slash coaching. Yeah. When you send me all those links, I'll um, be sure to link all that in the show notes along with the Amazon link to the books that we talked about today because I think those are going to be really excellent. And, and uh, Travis, I thought it would be really fun to get in the show today just reciting, hey, I am committed to being getting rich in 2020, right? So everybody repeat yeah. after us, I'm committed to getting rich in 2020. I am committed to getting rich in 2020. <laughs> I love it. And I just, yeah. let's go, man. Like the kingdom needs more capitalist-minded folks who are going to really create wealth, to do good things with it. There's nothing to be ashamed about that. And so thanks for that reminder today. Um, just all the wealth, man, about building your network and how we can use a podcast. And uh, just thankful for your time, man. Seriously, really, really yeah. appreciate it. Glad to have happy, you on. Happy to help out, man. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks everyone. Uh, we will see you next week. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.